0: Hi, I'm Mark Lehman, and you're listening to 11 Pop Comics.
1: Amazing. And no step. Even with... Uh, you know who being... Yeah, no step on you. That's amazing.
2: You know what else is Amazing. My balls. <laughs> no, no <laughs> doubt. No Probably. doubt. Probably. That wasn't what I was going to offer up, but that's true too. For What's amazing? This week's humble bundle. Ah, oh,
1: yeah. Really? Not...
2: Sick. That's dude. two
0: good ones in a row.
2: Why, what was the last one? The one I just got last night was the
0: uh, Star Trek one. Oh, that's uh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> oh.
1: Uh, the only thing that could top a Star Trek bundle for Jason would be a Doctor Who bundle
2: I thought that's where he was going to go and I, was like, well, I, I already have
0: that one. That, was, that was a couple months ago
1: oh there you go I'm hearing good things about Doctor Who? about the uh, IDW stuff
0: oh yeah
2: no I mean well the the, the few Star Trek comics I have read at Dap's request have been all good so I, I'm only
0: actually the um, the Assignment Earth I believe was part of uh, the bundle so now i nice yeah there you go
1: it's a good way to get a, a a crap ton of Valiant books, really cheap. Okay. But I think it's it's going to work out for them in the end because the quality is going to show. And anybody that was on the fence is now going to be in. And every day, at least,
0: the first one I saw was, uh, of course, it was uh, every day you get a free Valiant book while I guess the bundle is going on. Oh, nice! Today was uh, Exile awesome. Man of War. Yeah,
1: number one.
2: And the other cool thing is that, uh, they're, they're, they're adding stuff to the bundle so, so quickly because when I bought the bundle earlier today, a couple of people commented on Twitter that it, they were bummed that it didn't include, in their opinion, the best book of the bunch, Archer and Armstrong. And while it's true that the site didn't list it when I purchased, when I got the links, as you guys know, uh, it, it it does include volumes one and two of Archer and Armstrong. I saw that. Yeah.
1: I'm going to keep an eye out in New York, uh, con. For the oversized hardcover collection, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Oh, you'll be able to get them mad, mad cheap.
1: Yep, um, I'm up for all of them.
2: Campbell probably has like 17 or 18 copies. He might like. I would,
1: I would think. Right, right.
2: He's trying to single handedly bump the diamond numbers up. I think.
1: <laughs> he he gets the variants and everything. He's amazing. And you, you know what else is amazing? <gasps> this is episode 334 of 11 o'clock comics, and I'm Vince B.
0: Yeah, you I'm David A. Price. Oh, that's
2: true. And stretching at you like a nightmare on Plastic Man.
1: <laughs> Nothing obscured this time. It's straight. It's on, right on top of the table. He's Plastic Man. No, he's not. He's Jason Wood. And you don't have to stretch your budget to get cheap comics. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, and you can get all your comics for very little money. That's the name of the game over there. Speaking of Valiant, guess this this month at DCB Service you can get nine Valiant books in a bundle. Cover price thirty six dollars and ninety one cents. Take home price for you being a, a savvy consumer one dollar eight you know eighteen dollars and forty five cents. That's fifty percent off. Eternal Warrior, Exo Manowar, Unity, Quantum and Woody, Bloodshot, Archer and Armstrong, Punk Mambo. That's a zero issue. Uh the Death Defying Doctor Mirage and Delinquents Number Four. Amazing. Nine books for eighteen bucks and change. That's two dollars copy. Do the math. Uh from Dynamite, we have Django and Zorro. Yes. Written by Quentin Tarantino and Matt Wagner. Drawn by Esteve Poles and the cover arts by Jay Lee. Cover price is three ninety nine. Your price half. Boys' pants are now half off because you can get this for a dollar ninety nine. <laughs> And at the Dark Horse, brand new series called the Ghost Fleet. I'm intrigued. Cover price three ninety nine. Your price dollar ninety nine. If you uh, pick up on patterns, you'll notice a trend here. They do not mind late orders or late or order additions, and you can um, get your previews really, really cheap $1.12. dollar and twelve cents. What you should have been playing all along. For real. DCBService.com. dot Nice.
2: I missed you guys yes. last week.
1: Missed we last missed week. you a little bit.
2: But it's, it was fun. It was fun to listen to the episode as a listener. Uh, <laughs> we had two very good guests on.
1: Well, actually three. Well, the not the yeah. time.
2: well that is true. I wasn't including the interview because that was pre, pre taped. Although he was, um, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. most definitely interesting. Yeah. Quite a character.
1: Jason's like, should we include a disclaimer at <laughs> this episode? <laughs> there were
2: moments where I thought, you know, <laughs>
1: It goes places, but nah, he's cool, and and it's nothing we really haven't, uh, n- not many topics we've broached, uh, before in this, the past.
2: This is true. This is true.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we'll have more of that in the future. I don't have anything lined up, mm-hmm. or we we'll probably have a lot more of that.
2: Well, you know, we're going to be moving and shaking in a few weeks at New York Comic Con, where I've I no doubt you'll make some additional connections, and then that will yes. that will replenish the fertile grounds of potential future interviews.
1: Speaking of replenish, we really need to uh repopulate our intro pool. Good thing
2: for us for going to New York Comic Con. Yeah.
1: yeah, and uh while I get some, you guys, if you're off on your own, you guys got to get some, too, because I'm not saying you will be off on your own, but if we ever have to, like, you know, bathroom break or somebody, say you run into Matt Wagner. Hey, Matt, do you think you can? Yeah, okay, great. There
2: you go. Oh, definitely, although he's not going to be there, but.
1: Some d- hypothetical situation. Yeah. Make-believe Jason. Make Joe believe. Stain's going to be there, though. I, love nice. it. I heard they're, they're redoing E-Man. They're bringing yeah, I heard him back. What they did already. No, I think he's. Well, it's, that was a
2: collection of the early stuff. You, you, you know yeah, who the Grail, think, the Grail bumper would be for New York Comic Con? Do you know?
1: Josh, who?
2: No, the Grail. Who the Grail would be?
1: <laughs> no, the Grail. The Grail. <laughs> I don't know. Uh Chakin. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you, assholes. You're listening to some shit that I probably wouldn't listen exactly. to if they not my Exactly. It would be oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna be there. <laughs> I know. I'm
2: thinking about bringing my triple X uh, uh Christmas in July uh issue Oh, nice an entree. So he knows so we so he he knows we're fans of his his dirty dirty stuff.
1: Dirty. I think I'm going to bring uh Stars My Destination. Go old school. Old school. Howard, how long did it take you to do this thing? Like 12 years cuz that thing is there's about a million panels in that book. No. All all fully painted by by Howard. It's amazing. But anyway, what are we drinking, boys?
2: Well, in honor of, of David, cause it sounded like our boo wasn't having the best day today. I, I fasted for 14 days so that I could have some wine tonight. Mm. I'm drinking some Close de los Siete, mm. a
1: little
2: Spanish table wine that we drink around here sometimes.
1: Unbelievable. 14.
0: 14- I'm going to have to try that when, if there's any left. Oh yeah, we buy about a case, son. I figured. I'm just saying. Yeah. I still have, I haven't found it out here, so, yeah, out here, cause to. you know, we're on the other coast, but I haven't found it
1: here, but mm-hmm. I'm dying to try it. I seriously want to develop, uh, the taste buds for wine.
2: It's really great. I, I really do enjoy wine, especially when I'm not looking to tie one on at a party or something. You can, I find that I can have wine in my hand and converse and sip it slowly and have a glass or two over the evening versus for some reason if, if I have ice cold beers in my hand, I mean, I'm just going, I'm going all in.
1: Right. Yeah, I me mean, that's how I am. But I don't like dry wines. Not at all. Okay, see, I love dry wines.
2: I don't like them too sweet. Me neither. I, I really, you know, it's I, I cannot drink white. I, I, I.
0: Oh, same here. I get a headache. Yeah, it's terrible. You can't do it. Renee yeah. loves the white, and she loves mm-hmm. the sweet whites, but yeah. Well, because she's a sweetie. And she does love the sweet <laughs> whites. Sure. She
1: likes that. There you go. Out. That's right.
2: <laughs> Once you go <laughs> sweet little, white, it's never quite as right. <laughs> <a> little salt around <laughs> the rim. <laughs> uh, you guys are wrong. I got some. Th- oh, what are you drinking, Vince?
1: I am drinking. It's the time of the season. I am drinking Yingling Oktoberfest. Oh, nice. They should just stop making the regular Yingling and just do Oktoberfest all year long. It's delicious. Now,
2: what is this brew? I, I know that you sent us a, a a message about this pumpkin latte and how many calories, cow- <laughs> but I didn't realize this is this is like a meme this week. Is it really? I'm seeing it all over did uh, it, it it it's gone viral? Is this some new revelation that that floor
0: it it the pumpkin spice started coming out like a couple of weeks ago, like I don't even know if it was the end of August yet, and people were already starting to announce the arrivals of this pump the pumpkin spice drinks, and it's like dudes, we're not even in fall, it's not even Halloween we're not close yeah. to Thanksgiving, and you're already pushing the pumpkin spice on us so
1: but it, it's my all time favorite drink. Pumpkin spice Dunkin' Donuts coffee.
2: Amazing. Stop. Stop. I could not, you literally couldn't pay me enough money to drink that.
1: Oh, I love it. Literally. And, and I did a little, because I love it so much, I drink many of them. And I, I, them I thought, you, no, and I, and I thought I better check the calorie count on these things. They're full. And, and for an extra large, it's 350 calories, which is ridiculous compared to a regular coffee, which is zero yes. calories. So I'd well, rather the zero. with well, no
2: sugar. No, yeah, right, with no don't additives, I don't, but-
1: No, I put nothing right. in my coffee.
2: But a latte has milk is what I'm saying.
1: No, the, the pumpkin spice is not a latte. It's just pumpkin spice. Oh, space yeah, I'm
0: bucket bucket donuts, but from, um, Mario will get the pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks and that, uh-huh. but he does it with soy, not with whole milk, but still. Still gotta have like seven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I think you said the grande was like three and change. Okay. Or two and change, but yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's up there. I draw the line at, Coffee around two dollars, two and a quarter. I ain't paying no six dollars for you a coffee. $6 for coffee. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> David, what are you sipping on?
0: I, uh, I am having some Sledgehammer Cabernet Sauvignon. Sledgehammer. From California. Cause it's the people's king.
1: Look at that. You're the people's king. King Dap. Whatever.
0: King DAP. Are you down with the DAP? <laughs>
1: Uh, All right. Do you guys have any thank yous? I, I do. We I on? do, and I got a story All about right. this thank yous.
2: Oh snap! Well, a few of the oh. thank yous are, are, are relatively recent. So, but but I'm I gonna. Feel? But but, <laughs> so in our house we have a corner of the kitchen where there's uh, little contraptions to hold the mail. You know. Right. And admittedly, as people are about to find out, I am a little remiss in keeping up with the mail in my bins. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm lazy enough to the point where I think that my wife is so on top of, of things that are important that anytime something's vital for me, she has it sitting out for me to either sign or whatever she needs to, me to do. She, she runs so much of my life now that I, I, I uh, I've, I've, I've gotten remiss. And then I assume that anything else that I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm consciously expecting someone who's looking for it. Well, long story short, uh, she was doing a little tidying up and she was getting fed up of how overflowed the, uh, the, the mail holders were with, you know, various and sundry catalogs and magazines and all the BS that, that accumulates that, that, you know, can, can just pile up. So she went through everything, tossed all the junk out all the catalogs and whatnot that we didn't need. And then she handed me a number of envelopes and packages. And I thought, oh cool, I got new stuff. And then I started opening them up and I realized that some of them date back to April of this year
1: oh my goodness <laughs>
2: so so i have some thank yous and let me apologize profusely to some of you who have probably sent me stuff for literally months ago and are wondering probably giving me the fuck offs because you're thinking i never bothered to thank you so um it was not intentional so the first thank you uh goes out to mr jeff mccumsey who sent me uh a a bunch of his work uh including his uh his uh, trade paperback of uh, Mother Russia by Fubar Press, um, as well as a couple of mini-comics of of the same title, his B-Sides and Rarities uh, sketchbook, uh, and then uh, a number of one-shot um, books from Fubar Press that he wrote um, called Guts and Glory, uh, Better Red Than Dead, uh The Ace of Spades, and yeah, that's it. So much love to Jeff for that. Very nice of him. Um, I received a, um, mini comic anthology collection, which looks fantastic from, uh, called skid marks for what the
1: hell, what seriously, what? you got that Yeah,
2: from Mr. From Mr. Derek Hunter, um, which again came months ago. So Derek, I apologize, but I'm looking very much forward to reading it. I'm going on a business trip tomorrow, so I'm going to bring it with me and give that a perusal. Um, one of our – David and my main men at Heroes that we hung out with and had an awesome time with all weekend, Mr. Uh, Mister John O'Brien, sent me, I think, back in April – and I, again, I'm so sorry, John uh, – when the warlock found a friend, uh, his, uh, his, yeah, his, his late, I believe, latest collection of, of, of work. So thank you so much. Um, I received from the Kingbone Press fellas, uh, Mr. Bob Gar, Mr. Westoff, and, and the crew – Mr. Nixon. Um, I got a bulletproof chicken. Um, I received uh, with some goodies inside, including a sketch. Um, so again, I think there that was a, a Kickstarter that we backed, but I again, it came out months ago. Um, another Kickstarter that I backed that I've received months ago and was sitting around is Earthward. Um by Mr. Brian Q. Miller and Marcio oh, Tapara. Yes, 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 uh, yes. So again, I think that came out a long time ago, and I just I think I assumed I'd never bothered receiving my copy, and uh apparently I did. And then two recent uh thank yous, which are are, are things that that luckily have just arrived, so I, I'm not I'm not remiss here in my thank yous are uh the speculative relationships, science fiction romance comics anthology. Um, which looks super cool. I don't have much to say about it beyond that because I literally just took it out of the envelope. And last but certainly not least, and I think we'll probably all have to share in this thank you. In fact, you may have already made this thank you on the episode I wasn't on, uh, is uh, our good buddy and uh, relatively frequent guest and artist extraordinaire, Scotty Young, uh, sent me a copy of his latest sketchbook, The Daily Grind. So... Thank you to everyone, and I promise I will open my mail uh in a more uh in a more timely fashion
1: going forward. Dap, looks like we gotta start turning the, the charm on a little bit.
2: I think you're right, man.
1: Yeah. We're, we're
2: <laughs> I assumed you had received all these things and thanked the people months ago when you first got them.
0: Have not uh, received the grind yet. Oh, okay. the daily grind.
2: That may be because Scotty asked for for me to give you give him your addresses and I may have not done that.
1: And you, were oh, he, must have, on that he must have
0: sent you a postcard asking for the addresses, and then <laughs> haven't read that yet. So, so okay. you know what? I'm going to apologize to you
2: too as well because I'm three years. <laughs> uh, Scotty said, "Hey, Wood, can you give me Dap and Vince's addresses?" And I think I probably haven't done that yet. Okay, <laughs> oh.
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> I hope he's feeling better. I hope. I hope Scotty is uh is he was uh, he was a little under the weather for a while there. Um. So
1: I hope yeah, I think in the he's, house.
2: He's, I, mean, I said, I think it's coming out strong.
0: Good.
1: Yes, we have something else we need to address. Yes, last uh, episode at the very, very end, I posed a little uh, question, a game, uh, something to ponder. We would, uh, we implored you to uh, go on the wayback machine and discover or decide upon the one book. The one, one single issue or we kind of stretched it out in the interim, you could pick miniseries. If it's one cohesive story, like you're not going to break up something that came out in the eighties just because it was not a, a, you know what I mean? You can't really pick that one series in the eighties that typifies the entire eighties for you if it's four issues. So, uh, pick the one issue or miniseries that perfectly encapsulates the decade during which it appeared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I broke it down in two. Now this doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite book, but it can, I guess, but, but the book that you think best encapsulates the tone, uh, the time from which it came, uh, trends in, uh, art and or storytelling. Um, you know, maybe you picked something with a, uh, a chromium cover for the nineties that would pretty much sum up the nineties fairly well. Right. Mm Um, so you, you can go on reputation, perceived impact. There's no rules. We, we just asked you to pick the one issue that typified the genre, the, the time it appeared. And I broke it up thusly. Silver, bronze, the eighties, the nineties, two thousands and 2010s. Now the reason why I went with the eighties, uh, is because the bronze age is, um, on the books. As spanning 1970 to 1985, which I think is a little bit crazy. Yeah, I agree. The golden age is massive. The silver age is, is, well, no, the golden age, yeah, the golden age is big. The silver age is massive. Yeah. Uh, and the bronze, you get 15 years out of it, but I think that's a little bit too much for the bronze. But, uh, and, uh, in case you're wondering why I didn't go in any, with any, uh, golden age books is because I'm not really informed on the period. At all, really. So, I didn't want to just pick one on the, off the days. Sh- you don't
0: want to mess around with, uh, comic books those uh, days. <laughs> no, I mean,
1: like most people, I'd probably say, oh, action number one, or, or Captain America. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. So, uh, we wanted an informed opinion as to why we picked these books. And, uh, so first of all, let's start at the top with The Silver Age, which began with DC Comics showcase number four. In 1956 and it ended in 1970. And, uh, in perusing all of the books published during that time, I have to say, without any remorse, Marvel absolutely owned the Silver Age. It's true. They, they crushed during the Silver Age. It was the whole shakeup thing. DC was, uh, cock of the walk for the longest time. And here comes this upstart Marvel and they start appealing to college kids and, Shaking it up with off kilter storytelling, actual on-
0: storytelling, stories that continued because you right. had with with DC Justice League of America, well, the, the Brave and the Bold, and then Justice League of America. They kind of um, told bigger stories, but when I think of Silver Age, sometimes I tend to think of Superman and his campy. Marrying Lois in one half of the issue, but it's a dream or it's an imaginary story. And then the next half of the issue, Jimmy Olsen gets some powers. And it's just, they were self-contained, mostly two stories in an issue. And right. it was Superman, Batman was tied in, had the campiness of the TV show for, during the silly. So, so yeah, Marvel definitely broke the mold in, in that case. And, and you can read interviews with. A bunch of creators and, you know, and, and, and college kids were writing to the company and, 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 you know, thanking them for writing stories like this and, and, uh, I'm, I'm not going, I'm gonna let you go because I'm dying to hear what you picked, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah,
1: and also the, uh, they introduced a more human element to their characters, uh, like with the Fantastic Four, who bickered amongst themselves. You, you almost never saw the Justice League taking shots at each other, you know, verbally. Uh, so it, not only in the length of stories, the, 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 the characterization was more modern. It was um, dysfunctional in, in, a, in a sense. And, and Marvel just, it was a real world take on what if the average human being sudden fi- suddenly found themselves with superpowers. They would act like powerful average human beings. And then they would deal with the, the new things uh, impacting their lives. Like, you know, you never had to worry about knocking a building over if you sneezed before but now you do so it was it was you know that kind of stuff at marvel and i think they absolutely destroyed dc um not only in terms of storytelling but in art as well but that's a personal preference um i'm I'm sure david would uh anyone who knows me would assume that i would go with fantastic four number one for this category but i did not oh nope uh there were a lot of things from which to choose but I ultimately settled on Amazing Spider-Man number
0: 33. Wow. I was, I had, yes. I had that one on my list. Did not pick it, hoping that you would.
2: Yep. Yeah. Nice. Hey, and, and let's just reiterate, I know you just said it, but just cause again, I think people need to really understand what we're going for here. This is an exercise in an issue that we think most typifies the era as you said it's, it's not our favorite issue or series it's not our most memorable it's not even one that we think is the most important necessarily it's the, the issue that we think most typified the era
1: so yes and and my reasoning for uh, amazing 33 is the storytelling as we said begin to change this issue focused on one character in one really bad situation and using everything he can for reasons of responsibility and love and honor and everything, just trying to get out of it. If, if you pitched a story to an editor in the Bronze Age saying, okay, this is basically going to happen in one room with one character and the action is going to be, you know, fairly minimal. It's basically his struggle to get out of this situation. They probably would have squashed it. But in the Silver Age, anything well, it, it was the beginning of that anything goes mentality. And it focused on personality problems and traits that the, this, the golden age, they, they kind of shied away from in, in terms of like, you know, David said the done and ones or the action or, the, you know, little boys who were primarily the target audience for a lot, a lot of years probably wouldn't want to read this boring story of one guy trapped under, you know, rubble. But in, in, uh, in the silver age, that stuff was happening, and I just think it was, it was a, a, a transist, transitive period between like the, I don't want to call it stayed, but the, the kind of lowbrow interests of the golden age, and then in the silver, that's when the magic really started to happen, and it culminates for me in the bronze, but we'll get to that later. What'd you pick, David?
0: Uh, well I'll keep the, uh, the Spidey Love going then. I ha- I mean on my list, aside from the one you just picked, I had, uh, I had, you know, I thought about Avengers number four and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and like I mentioned, Superman, I, but it's, um, when I just think about either iconic images and which is going to play into some of my other picks, but, uh, just, um, changes to, um, the status quo or big reveals, it um, actually wasn't number thirty-three Ditko's last issue.
1: Well, yeah, but that wasn't really a factor. No, no, yeah. no, it
0: wasn't. And I mean, and, and the title of that issue is "is the final chapter," and and uh, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff going on, which has absolutely nothing to do playing into into your decision. But mine does sort of factor into why Ditko left, and and it doesn't have anything to do with why I picked it. But it's it's Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-nine. Mm. Which is the issue where Green Goblin's identity is revealed and we find out that Norman Osborn knows who Spider-Man is. And it's, it's the, uh, it, it's the cover where Green Goblin is, is on the glider and with, uh, literally Spider-Man in tow, unmasked and, and uh, flying through the air, I actually have the Marvel Select figure of, of that cover, but it's, uh, it is a, it's a different looking story than Vince's number 33, but it, it, uh, it really is, is one of those issues where it still ties into, you know, Peter wanting to take care of Aunt May and, and having other things going on that, uh, that it, it, he's not self-centered. He, he has to do something for someone and 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 get out of a situation and uh it it, it does continue it it's it's the first part of of uh of a story that uh, that continues in in number 40 and um things play out in that issue but it um it it is one of those issues where it it's it unlike other stories where you know like uh I mentioned with Spider man three and Sammy being involved in uncle Ben's death or or having Jack Napier be the murderer of of young bruce Wayne's parents and things things don't need to be that tidy' cause sometimes shit happens in life, but here was a situation where peter one of peter's best friends harry Osborne um not only does his father um not show a whole lot of love to his son but he he is such a Different character than J. Jonah Jameson or Flash Thompson or Peter or anybody else in, in Spidey's universe. And to have that person be revealed as, as, uh, what was, what would be for a long time his, his arch nemesis and, and, uh, the person who really wrecked Peter's world for, for a lot of years, uh, it was, uh, it's, it's pretty heavy to me. So that, that's why I ultimately ended up going with, with that issue.
2: No, I, got, I got a mad respect for that. I figured you were going to pick Spider-Man, and I figured Vince was going to pick an FF issue.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I, I too, uh, I was this close to picking Avengers number four. But I ultimately didn't because I think that would be my pick for favorite issue mm-hmm. and maybe even most influential issue from my personal you know, my personal journey of comics because I'm such a huge Avengers fan. But the more I thought about it, I thought that if, if I was sticking to the letter of the law, which is the most typified, I, 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 I couldn't go with it. So, um, also in the running was, uh, was amazing fantasy number 15. Mm-hmm. Um, because of, to me, it, 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 both visually on the cover and then with everything else therein it, 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 it signified and typified the very notion of what you and Vince are alluding to, which is that Marvel owned the Silver Age. It was really their coming out party. And that cover is one of the most iconic characters coming out, right? You know, bursting onto the scene. Um, but since I'm not as huge a Spider-Man fan as you guys, and I figured at least one of you would, I ended up um, going with a Fantastic Four issue. Nice. Um I, I didn't go with number one, although certainly that would be a very reasonable choice. Um, I didn't go with number 52, which would certainly uh. would be my personal favorite, uh, because of the Black Panther. Uh, I went with, uh, issue number 48. Yes. Know, which Lord. is the start of, of the Galactus trilogy of 48, 49, and 50. Uh, of course written by Stanley, uh, co, well co-written by Stanley and Jack, co-plotted. And Jack Kirby, of course, is the, uh, the, the penciler and, uh, Mr. Joe Sinnott on, on inks. I went with this issue because when I think about Marvel and I think about them, again, becoming a dominant force in comics in the Silver Age, you know, I think one of the things about it is the unbridled creativity. I think at the heart of all things Marvel are Stan and certainly Jack. So I, I couldn't bring myself to pick a non-Jack issue from the Silver Age. Uh, and, and then just specifically to this issue, it's the first of, of these three issues, which I think many people, especially diehard FF fans, would consider one of the greatest Fantastic Four stories ever told. And it's, it's also the first appearances of Galactus, who is, if not the most, one of the most oft used, uh, and recurring, um, antagonists in the Marvel Universe. Uh, and he's a giant freaking, Purple Planet Heater. I mean, he's, he's, he's so, so, uh, evocative of the creativity that Jack brought to the medium at the time. Uh, and it's also the first appearance, not coincidentally, of the Silver Surfer, who at the time was the Herald of Galactus. Again, a, a very significant character in, in, in Marvel Comics lore. So, to me, it just was, I think with the, with the, with the first 60, 70 issues of FF, F- F- you could pick so many in terms of, of it being the first appearances of characters that have persisted, but this was the one I thought was, was, was the most typical in the sense that it had multiple characters introduced that were crazy, but have remained. It was by Jack and Stan and it was at the epicenter of many of the things that have continued to make Marvel the dominant force it is today. So that's my choice. The coming of Galactus issue number 48.
1: Awesome. I'm glad someone picked Fantastic Four.
2: There you go. Glad I had to yeah. pick up your old Slack. There you go. Nice. <laughs>
1: so
2: I- Should we um I threw out a live tweet. Uh we 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 aren't having a we don't have a ton of Silver Age nominations, probably because uh as you said when you started this, Vince, not as many people have came up in the Silver Age or read as much, so but we do have a few, um which I'll just throw out there before we move on to our next era. We've got uh Mr. Whirlwind Kevin mentions Fantastic Four number fifty one, so he splits the the difference there. He doesn't give a reason why, so I or I would give it Mr. Dave Jordan uh also picks FF. He picks FF number one, uh perfectly reasonable. So yep. there there you go.
1: If you're a betting man, that's the one to go with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So let's go to the Bronze Age, uh, which y'all know is my jam. If if uh Comics history is my playground. The Bronze Age is my sandbox. <laughs> it, it's it's the place where I find uh, I feel most comfortable. Um, it, and so, what do I think of when I think of the Bronze Age? Well, I think it was by far the period with the most experimentation ever in comics. Um, the the tone shifted from. Uh, the gosh golly gee whiz of the, of the silver age into a, a decidedly darker tone, mostly instigated by dudes like Bill Mantlow and Steve Gerber. Um, you know, there was a lot of social unrest in the period, the, which began in the sixties, but I think the trickle down, it really started to filter into comics in the, in the, in the bronze age. And, um, I wanted to go with comics book number one, mm-hmm. but I didn't. To me, comics book number one was, was, uh, literally shook me and, and showed me that, you know, there was a world beyond mainstream comics, that there was guys in, you know, dirty hovels kicking out these filthy underground comics that, you know, were every bit as valid as the stuff Marvel was doing. Uh, even more so because I think they were, uh, Little more real, a little more personal, a little more heartfelt. But the one I went with, based on the, 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 the air of experimentation, the anything goes nature of the seventies, the why not? It, it was just a period of let's do it. Why not? We can make a series out of a, a shambling muck monster who really <laughs> doesn't say all that much and, and is basically, um, You know the pivot from which we could tell all the 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 focal point from which we can tell all these cool stories and personable stories. The one I went with, though, when all was said and done, Howard the Duck number one.
2: (laughs) That would have been my pick for
1: you. Yep that that is the Bronze Age for me. Let's make a series, uh, fly in the face of Disney, make a series about a talking duck, who in a lot of ways resembles Donald. Um. And just litter with Steve Gerber's wacky ideas. I mean, the, definitely the Grant Morrison of his time and uh, he brought science and mysticism and social issues into it and uh, you know economic issues pro rata in the first issue it's just crazy it's insane and it's about a talking duck and it's nowhere near what disney was doing it's the the humor's acerbic and wry and nasty um, and he beds a human woman eventually but i mean the the beginnings of the 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 thing started in the first issue it's nuts and that that was the bronze age to me it's crazy anything goes so i went with howard the duck
0: can't argue with that no yep. definitely not there really was this was pretty much a no-brainer it was um it was an issue i i had um finally got it and and um read it to pieces and well, not not literally uh, i just i it, i originally had a um a reprint finally got the actual issue and, and, uh, it was just, it still didn't lose anything. But when I think of the Bronze Age, I think of that cover again, uh, where it's, um, it's just Green Lantern standing there pointing to Speedy and mm-hmm. Green Arrow's jaw dropping. Can't believe his ward is a junkie. And it is the first of a two part story where a superhero not his best friend, but an actual superhero um is hooked on drugs for real, not some made up venom, not something that would turn you into a uh a, a superhuman monster, but something that you could get on the streets in those days. I mean not just walking down the street, but it was a it it was more it was one of the more um realistic stories that the, I mean, granted it's still coast city or star city or, or it's still a fictional area, but these were, um, these were actual, uh, real life consequences or something that would happen, um, to a degree in, in, in this situation. But, uh, it was that, that cover is just, I cannot get that cover out of my head. It, it, it's still, it's, it's,
1: huge who who did that cover that Dave? cover
0: is is done by uh a saner neil adams
1: and, uh, <laughs> you don't
0: know that <laughs> no i really don't uh no the exterior is uh is is also penciled by neil adams and uh inked by um dick giordano and uh it is uh is written by mr dennis o'neill and it was it's part of the uh hard traveling heroes saga and um it is a it's and the title is the shocking truth about drugs. It was it was printed with the Comics Code Authority, which was a huge deal because um, a while yeah, later, Marvel wasn't so lucky. right, Marvel uh, Stan was still going to tell his story. And, and in this case, it was it was Harry strung out on uh, on drugs. I think it, was, it was a PCP. And he was uh, he was. Flying high and thought he was uh, actually, but it was, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's a huge story. I mean, and especially when you see, um, Ollie get shot with an arrow and it funked right in his chest and he looks down and, and the way Adams drew the man's face, he is just, he is not so much stunned. You find out later that he's not stunned that he was hit with an arrow, but that it was one of his arrows and he find, and, and, and he follows the trail and, and you find out, you know, when he does that, uh, you know, it's not like this was some subplot and oh, wait until Dolly finds out what, what Roy's been up to. It was just, I mean, you found out when Ollie found out and it was, I, I, I didn't read it when it was originally released because I wasn't born yet but it it's still a story that you can uh you definitely feel is heavy and 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 mad props to to, to denny o'neill for still for telling for telling a story writing a story where um almost a decade later you, you still you you know that this this is a big deal it's not something that she, oh i'm sure this this meant something back in the day it it still had some uh had some punch to it and 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 it's still before new 52 it, it's still uh you know they it it there were callbacks to it. You know, it, it's not, uh, it wasn't unheard of for someone to mention about, uh, Roy's dependence on, on drugs back then. And, uh, I mean, Roy was never one of my favorite Titans. He wasn't even a Titan when, um, not really when, uh, when, when, when Wolfman and Perez started their series, but it's, um, it's Roy still, I guess, important in, in the grand scheme of things, but, um, it's one of my favorite, Back then, heroes uh, with another one of my favorites, and, and something that uh, was huge. So, I mean, there's a lot of me saying favorite in, in, in this case, but it's still when I think of the Bronze Age. If it's not, because uh, I could pick Spidey for a bunch of these errors, but I, you know, it's not Death of Gwyn, it's not Death of Green Goblin. It's uh, it, it really is. It's it's this issue.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the creative team um, on that book because what I failed to mention was with Howard the Duck. On the surface, you had a funny animal comic, illustrated by Frank Bruner, who was nowhere near what you would expect for a funny animal comic. Um, and that was another reason why it was so off-putting, because you, it, it crushed expectations in a number of, of ways, and that was one of them right there. So, yeah, uh, transitive period, just really strange stuff. Jason.
2: So, as you guys know, I, I have, I have gone back and forth on this list a lot. And it, it definitely, the homework assignment Vince gave us, this was one of <laughs> the harder ones. This is definitely a hard one. Um, we've been talking about it all week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I finally said to you guys today that, that I, I had, in some cases, I had 10, 12 different titles that I kept changing and, and reinterpreting. And then I finally said, you know what? I just got to go back to my base instinct. The, the, the one that I first thought of with each of these eras is the one I'm going to stick with and definitionally be damned or not. So for me, uh, because i'm significantly younger than you two uh, <laughs> uh, the seventies <laughs> <The laughs> um really were for me much like the silver age backward looking I, I i wasn't reading comics in the seventies I was born in seventy four and so i read a i have since in my life gone back and read massive amounts of these comics but but they the, they weren't Formative in my, I mean, I was a kid of the eighties when it comes to comics. I mean, to me, 84 is the, 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 uh, the genesis seed of, 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 of my being the comics fan I am today. So while I've certainly gone back and read Tomb of Dracula and, and, and Man Thing and Howard the Duck and, uh, and even things like, you know, I, and I love all of it and I think it's all amazing. And had I been reading it then, I probably would have viewed it that way. For me, the 70s were more of a time when the seeds were being laid for the foundation of what I would then consider the prominent books of the 80s. And so it's a long-winded way of saying I went with Giant Size X-Men number one. Nice. Um, Which is I think a lot of people would, would consider it. It actually came out in 1975. I think people think of the Heyday of the X Men is as, as, as being in in the late seventies and early eighties because of Claremont and Byrne, um, and maybe some would have expected me to pick one of their issues. But this was, as you guys know, but for maybe our listeners that don't, this isn't a Claremont Byrne issue. It's 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 actually uh, written by Len Wein and illustrated by Mister Dave Cockrum. But it, but the significance of it is is that without this issue, we literally would not have had the Claremont Byrne X Men, which in my opinion was the formative book for me of the eighties. And we wouldn't have had the X-Men being the important characters that they are today. And it's just everything that I love about comics. The cover is awesome. The cover tells a story. It's, it's, it's the, the original X-Men uh, in black and white with gray tones. And then literally, literally bursting out of that through the, through the page is, is the new X-Men. And, 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 there's there's just a lot of quirkiness here you know david you mentioned the 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 hard traveling heroes and and it being socially relevant commentary in comics and that kind of being a new thing in, in this case this was marvel's kludgy attempt at diversity, diversity right mm-hmm. they they were they were trying to insert more women and and people of different ethnicities and 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 backgrounds into comics because they recognized that that was probably a smart business idea but they didn't really go about it in a, a very thoughtful way. It was pretty much let's come up with some cool new characters and then let's make each one of them a different nationality, right? So um, I wouldn't say it was a very elegant attempt at diversity, but it was nevertheless an attempt at diversity and all but for, all but for, for, for Thunderbird have stuck with us and have been significant members of, of Marvel through this day. you have got, you know, Nightcrawler and, and and Wolverine and Colossus and Storm and and uh it's it just it's 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 certainly my favorite collection of 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 X-Men um and there's no title that has meant more to me over the years and I do think that this was also in a way uh the first time that Marvel showed an ability to repackage an existing um, property into something more viable because It's, it's, it's hard for a lot of younger readers to realize that, that X-Men was, was a failed book, really. I mean, it, it, at a time when, when, when the average comic was selling hundreds of thousands, if not millions of copies on the newsstand, um, the original X-Men with, with, with the, the the original five and Professor X was, was a a very poor selling book to the point where it got canceled. Reprints, right? Yeah. For for 30 issues, there were just reprints. I mean, up until, up until this issue and then subsequent to that, X-Men number 94. Um, from sixty from uh, uh sixty seven through ninety three it was just reprints as david just mentioned so so to me this is in a way the symbolic um, this is the symbolic launch of of the next era of comics in a way, even though it was still in the mid seventies and uh and certainly uh, I guess maybe I'm cheating a little here in this one of all of them because to me this is 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 the most significant personally issue of the 70s and maybe maybe it, I'm not quite sure I'm as confident in saying that this one typifies the 70s as I am my my nomination of of FF48 for the Silver Age but I'm still going to stick with it.
1: I think it's a very good choice. All right, so. cool. Yeah.
2: We um we have a bunch of Bronze Age u o c live tweets likely again because. uh our show probably caters the most to middle aged white men like ourselves. <laughs> uh Mr. Mark Laming, uh artist extraordinaire and, and good friend of the show, uh throughout uh, Conan number one. Ooh, very good. Uh it's his Bronze Age choice. Um uh, I'm just scrolling up here, so bear with me. Uh let's see. This is great radio. Um Mr. Professor Riptide says amazing adventures featuring War of the Worlds, aka a- a- Kill Ooh, Raven.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's nutty stuff too.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. See, some people did the EOC live tweet thread, but on Twitter, others just replied to me. Yeah. So I am, uh, that's why I'm, oh nice, uh, Mike, Mr. at Comic Opinions, um, he, he actually had a Silver Age nomination too. I missed it was Batman 232, the first appearance of Ghoul. Uh, and his nomination for the Bronze Age was also Giant Size X-Men number one. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, Mr. Anti Drummer, our buddy John, uh, nominated the Death of Gwen Stacy for the Silver Age.
1: So sad. It it really Let's
2: see here, Mr. Dallin Baumgarten uh, nominated Hulk 191 because it was Ooh. the first comic he ever bought. Ah, <laughs> nice, good figure. So that's cool. <laughs> I don't think you get
1: more impactful than that's that, true. right?
2: Mm-hmm. At least uh, you pick a Micronauts. Yeah. They pick the Micronauts. Yep. Dave Jordan nominated Green Lantern number 76. Good man. Brett is, oh, sorry, Brett Israel skipped the Bronze Age. He did not nominate anybody. And let me just roll over to the EOC live tweets and see what people have here. It looks like we got everybody covered. They, they there's a lot of 80s and 90s, but I think I hit everybody for the, oh, sorry, one more whirlwind. Kevin nominates, um, Iron Fist for the Bronze
1: Age. He oh, doesn't cool. specify which issue, but,
0: uh. Probably the one where Sabretooth is introduced.
1: could that be number 14 but yeah the x-men show up in the last panel
2: nice so there you go Um, so vince where are we moving to buddy
1: we are going into the 1980s and just just to balance the scales a little bit to give the other the distinguished competition a little bit of love i can say with 100 percent confidence that the 80s belong to dc
0: i will wait for you to finish
1: okay there were two contenders for the uh why did the That's 80s fine, I know you belong, did. belong to, why did the 80s belong to DC? Well, uh there were the two big the, the two big shakeups in the 80s came out of DC, but they also had they were trying many things at DC, yes. much like Marvel did at the Bronze Age, but DC was, you know, let's give a book to Blue Devil. Let's you know, Blue Beetle, The Shadow, um Wasteland. Like they were trying everything and uh, saga of the swamp thing you had this unknown british author come over take over a book that was kind of stinking up the room at one point and he just totally revamped it revitalized it into one of the all-time greatest series out of dc i think um but uh, i went with i really wanted to give it to watchman because we all know a commercial and a critical success but it was a relatively loud rumble. Watchmen didn't win over everyone, including myself, initially. Um, I, I don't think the importance of the series manifested itself until much later. But the primal scream of the nineteen eighties for me was Dark Knight Returns.
2: Of course, yeah,
1: yes. Yep. It, the the impact of that book was immediate. DC er, commanded the airwaves, the media took notice, they there was ads in Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. It was an unbelievable take on a, a character that I wrote off as being, you know, boring, just like Superman, I'll be honest. Um and that's another thing about the eighties. They they get John Byrne on freaking Superman of all things, and you have my notice. But um not only was it a great series, it totally changed the industry. Uh, if, if books didn't become gritty and grim, they reacted to it, like Amazing Spider-Man. There there was a a reactionary tagline to Dark Knight on the covers of Amazing Spider-Man, the non-gritty superhero. You know, so, I mean, this thing permeated everything, even the, even the, the the movies, until this day. You know, Dark Knight Returns is probably the most important Batman story, aside from the, the, yeah, well, no, not the origin. I, year one's great, but I still think it takes a backseat to Dark Knight Returns.
2: Well, you guys know this. I mean, just to uh, just to interject, I spent a good, what, 10, 15 years reading only Marvel Comics yeah. before I branched out. And there were two comics in my childhood that pulled me away from my Marvel Vortex, and Dark Knight was one of them.
1: What was the other one? You'll find out. Ah! Ah. Nice, son. Plan that better. but yeah, I mean, I remember um, as a comic fan, you didn't really get much social interaction with other comic fans back in the day. Like, unless you were at a convention, people didn't walk up to you on the street and see a Batman shirt and say, "Yeah, I'm reading," you know. It it was unheard of. And, And I'm down Ocean City right when the first issue came out. And this kid come up to me and he said, did you read Dark Knight Returns number one? That was awesome. And I was like, that never happened. Never. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it it was, that, that thing just exploded in, into comics. It was amazing.
0: It was. I'm glad there was only one futuristic Batman tale. Totally. What did
1: you pick, David? I'm just going to ignore that. What did you pick? (laughs) Uh,
0: well, I, my, um, my initial reactions to the eighties, um it while D C absolutely I mean if if you're comparing them to Marvel, uh, without a doubt, D C owned the eighties. But when I think of the eighties, I also think of Nexus, the Grim Jack, especially Nexus, mm-hmm. because Nexus was, was so um of that time, I don't think you'd be able to I'm not going to say you can get away with those stories today but they were so politically and, and and they were so tied into um what else was going on in the world and and here was a hero who was a an executioner he 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 was positioned as a hero he's marketed as a hero he's he's, he's the star of his comic book but he kills and and uh and that was a sign of um of the time of of that era, because you had a a grittier Batman in Dark Knight Returns, and and then uh, you saw his beginnings in in year one. But um, I also will give it to and I, and I had Dark Knight Returns on my list, and I had uh, so you went with the miniseries. You didn't have an actual issue like it wasn't the third issue with the uh, with with, with Two Face or the fourth with Superman. It was.
1: I'd have to if I had to pick a, a specific issue, I would still go with the first one. Okay. Just because of the shock right. that it was.
0: Yeah. Um, I had Daredevil on my list. And again, there's some awesome Daredevil issues. Um, thanks again to Frank. I mean, Frank Miller pretty much owned the 80s. Towards, yes. Towards the yes. end of it. So, I mean, you can't, it, it's like, you can't have 80s comics and not include Frank Miller in there somewhere. He's, he
1: still owns comics. Frank's got a lockdown on comics. So, Anything he does, masterpiece. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm going to go into that. And, uh, I will say that for me, as far as a single issue, uh because it it um it was kind of an ending of sorts well it was an ending for this particular character but it was an ending of sorts um for me as well as far as everything before then and kind of where it went after. Uh it was a two part it was two part punch with issue number seven, which doesn't really register with me as much. The cover's beautiful, but it's not a big deal for me, but Crisis on Infinite Earth's number eight was a um it was it was a big deal to me. It was it was the death of Barry Allen, who was and is my flash, um pre New Fifty two at any rate. Always from Barry. It's always from Barry. And it's uh it it was um I mean Crisis was huge to begin with and uh it it's um it wasn't, it's still one of those, it's, it's one of those massive stories where, you know, yeah, I'm sure it means more if you were there at the time. Someone reading it, someone reading a trade of it now or an absolute of it now won't get the same feeling. And, and I think we've established that, but it, it's, um, it's still overall, it's a big story, but number eight where it, um, where the threads from Earlier in the series, where where Barry is is running around, and uh, in different times, and and in the first issue or two, you know, he Bruce as Batman sees him and and knows that something is amiss, and and then you don't see how it all played out until the eighth issue, and Barry sacrificed himself, and sadly, it wasn't the ultimate sacrifice because the series continued for another four issues, but it it still uh, there were three, but it it was um. Was still a uh, is the end of a character that I was reading for a long time because I was I would go to to the newsstand to the comic shop and and buy the Flash and and the end of his his title um, was the t- the trial of of the Flash and where the um, Flash had killed Reverse Flash Professor Zoom and and uh, all of that was going on his title while crisis was happening and everything ended pretty much at the same time. And it was, it was the end of it. It kind of was at that point, the end of, of, I think that was the final nail in DC's, in DC saying that silver age is actually done because after that we did get burn on Superman and, and we did get the bohaha justice league and things definitely changed at that point in the 80s and uh and and crisis is is for me anyway number eight but crisis as a whole is um is definitely the the wall separating the fun or carefree or innocence of the silver age and uh and moving forward with the gritty and 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 a darker and paving the way for the dark knight returns and things of that nature so that is uh that's where i think of when that's what i think of when when i think of the the issue of the 80s
1: can i be painfully honest absolutely and this is not a commentary on your um intelligence and or taste crisis does not resonate with me at all
0: I, i'm not surprised
1: It's back in the day it was an annoyance um i i bought yeah, it I and read it banner
0: on- everything and oh it's a red no. sky so it's got to be italian i i absolutely get it dude
1: yeah no I, I i i appreciated Perez bought the book um read it uh it's i i failed to see to this day why that story is so um beloved by so many people It just huh. i don't i don't wow. i just i don't get it i'm i'm I, maybe if i go back and reread it, i haven't read it in a good Oh, at least 15, 20 years. Maybe if I go back and read it again, I don't know. But I mean, you 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 hear guys and and gals talk about that that story with such reverence, and it's like, oh, it was mate. And I don't see it. I'm sorry, but I'm I, so- I love <laughs> I'm to it's a, it's a, No, it's a, it's a thing. It I mean, for hurt I'm,
0: me. It's it's just I,
1: I. No, I know, and I'm not saying you're you're you know I would you never like assume talk, that. Talk. Yeah, but it's just, I, I, I want to understand what is so great about Crisis. It's, it's incredibly complex. It takes far too much effort to read. And, and unlike, you know, current events where you can, you can get by reading just the main book, if you just read Crisis, I think you were lost.
2: Well, I did it, chime it in as someone who read Crisis after it, it being on the shelves. I read it much okay. later and, and I don't understand the criticisms that people have, yourself included, that it's too complex to enjoy. I, I, I read it probably ten years ago and thought it was amazing. And I had very little background in the DC universe. I, I thought it was tight. It was. I was shockingly impressed at how it pulled every aspect of the DC universe together, and yet it gave us a very, I thought, logical and profound and lasting. Conclusion and status quo change. So I, I hmm. thought it was very well executed, especially as it, as the, from the historical context of finding out after the fact that it was editorially driven. I, 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 I don't know. I still think if I was to put it up, if I were to take all the events that the big two have done over the last 30 years, I would still say I don't, I don't see how I couldn't have it in my top three or top five, like if not the very top.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, it may be part of the reason may be that I was not a DC guy back then. Uh, I, I, aside from the horror books and, and, uh, you know, the, the anthology titles that DC was publishing, uh, I really did not pay attention to anything that they were putting mm-hmm. out. Maybe, maybe, um, Justice League, I don't know. And, and so I didn't have that, that foundation of you know who exactly these characters are or their their uh connections to other characters. So a lot of it was just like the really impactful stuff maybe have been didn't resonate with me because I didn't have the the experience with them. I don't know. But like you said, you went back and read it, you didn't have much experience and it worked for you. Maybe if I go back and read it, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll work. I I'm I'm I don't
2: know. Well you guys are smart. <laughs> you guys are good. You you uh DKR was on my list at one point, uh, but it didn't, it didn't make my final pick. Uh, Crisis was on my list, um, so I'm glad David said it. And then there were two others. Uh, the one I was very close to going with, but I felt that if I was being, again, intellectually honest with The Quest here, which is the, the book that typified the 80s, I, I couldn't go with it, although it was hard not to, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Yeah, right. Ah, yes. Uh and, and again, it's because to the letter of all I can't say it typified the 80s. In a way, it stepped out of what was being done at the time. And and while many, many, many books followed its lead and it became a bit of a meme in the 80s, I, I can't, again, say that that book was typical. It was, in a way, atypical of what was on the shelves but, at the time.
1: But if you uh, admit that Frank Miller was the major uh instigating force of the eighties with his Dark Knight sure. Returns and, and his Daredevil, Daredevil right, sure. you wouldn't have had Teenage Mutant. Ninja Turtles A- absolutely. Not
2: yeah, absolutely. So so like I said, I was close to going with Turtles and I didn't. Um but I went with the other one, Vince, that you had first mentioned and, and the other book that pulled me out of my Marvel Vortex, which is Watchmen. Ah. Um I still remember going to the LCS I guess I was I was ten. Yeah, I was ten years old. And going, walking to the, to the area where the Marvel books were, getting ready to pull them off the shelf and seeing that smiley face and being so curious, but, but not being a DC guy, just walking past it. And then week after week of going in the store and seeing the smiley face and thinking what's going on. And just something about it drew me in with a little trickle of blood. And, and I finally asked the, the, I don't know if it was the owner or the guy that was working the counter what the deal was and, he, he knew I was a, you know, as a little kid, he knew I was a Marvel guy and he said, well, that's my DC, but it's, he said, give it a try. And, you know, which is pretty, in retrospect, I don't know that he was doing his job telling a 10 year old to give that a try, but, but, um, but I remember reading it and just being absolutely floored because up until that moment, and I, I was only 10, so it's not that big a deal, but, but for me as a 10 year old, it was the first time I had any inkling that comics could be something other than Heroic tales of guys in spandex saving the day. So again, I don't know if I could say it typifies the eighties, but I, I, but the more I thought about it, I, I that was, this was, this was my initial choice and then I, I, I went away from it. And I ended up coming back to it because in a way I do think it does because I think it, much as you guys have alluded with DKR and, and crisis kind of being the official end of the, of the prior age, I think Watchmen set the course for number one, I think it's, it's the greatest writer of all times, greatest work from his best era, if you follow me. Mm, so I think yeah, that's important. Yeah. Wow. I think it's also, at least at its time, arguably the most mature and elegant work from a, a construct, uh, uh, meaning that, you know, the, the, the way that the book has such un- unbelievable symmetry and uh, and, and the layouts and the pacing and the panel choices and the, everything about the book is so carefully, uh, curated, uh, to,
1: right. and so, yes. so
2: to me, that is, I think of the eighties as the, as the golden age, not the golden, that's a, a wrong choice of words. I think of the eighties as the best era of comics and I think of Watchmen as the best comic of all time. So I have to give it to that.
1: Right. See, let me clarify my crisis comment. Watchmen is incredibly complex to that you just said that. Crisis to me is not the same kind of complex. Right. Now oh, you I have everything, you have everything finely tuned in Watchmen to the, like you said, the panels, the page layouts, the, the thematic content, everything. Crisis to me is just a lot of characters that I have no idea who they are or what they You know what maybe that's the complexity that I'm talking about. There's just a shit ton of people in Crisis that I don't know who these people are back in the, in the day. Sure, sure. So I maybe it is ripe for me to read it again, but I don't know. Let's go on. Oh, what how about some live tweets? Yeah, so uh, our buddy
2: our buddy Neil, Mr. Nilcam, uh opts for Uncanny X-Men number 205 for his he, 80s choice. Okay.
1: What's did he uh, flesh that out he more, or what's going on? To... Okay. So, uh,
2: let's see here. We've got, uh, Whirlwind Kevin chooses Watchmen. Yay. Mr. Ed Soto chooses Dark Knight Returns number four. Oh. Which, as David mentioned, is the Superman issue. Uh, Mr. Jordan, Mr. Dave Jordan chooses DKR number one.
0: Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Hmm? 205 was, uh, Wounded Wolf. It, uh, is penciled in by Barry Windsor Smith. It's, um, it's the cover where uh Wolverine is is laid out his feet up by the X-Men logo, everything all all those tubes and wires oh, going yeah, into his
2: body.
1: Yeah. Uh so it's the start of the Weapon X stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Mr. Keith Schaefer picks DKR number one. Um uh, we're seeing a running theme here. Again, switching from switching switching columns here. Mr. Toddy J, DKR number one. Vince, you've got a lot of a lot of people thinking along the same lines as you here,
1: buddy. Yeah, be afraid.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Dennis Menard, da Demand, uh, took, t- he picked turtles number one. We've got another vote for DKR for Mr. Comic Opinions. Nice. <laughs> We've got, uh, I think that'll about do it. Yep, I'm gonna say that does it. Excellent. So there you go.
1: Okay, the attention that, uh, comics garnered in the 80s, what with the movies and the media coverage, the, uh, print runs, uh, started to go up. Uh, More people started buying comics. The publishers started to, let's say, prey on the collector's mentality. You had a number of different cover styles, Chromium, 3D, Tyvek. Uh, It it was crazy, multiple covers. It it was the era of the merchandising, to me, where, where comics became a collectible thing. Whereas the 80s focused and and previous eras focused more on story Mm -hmm. telling, Mm -hmm. the the 90s were it was the 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 decade of the gimmick. Yes, but um, one of the things which I do not think was uh, a gimmick were the seven image creators that really shook up comics in the 90s: Todd McFarlane, Liefeld, Eric Larson, and uh, their move to create their own company was unprecedented, and it was huge, and these books sold in the millions, and the one title for me, which typifies the 1990s, I mean, image, the image style, in quotes, because that's what we all know it as, that pervaded everything, at least the mainstream books. Um, DC and Marvel, Marvel especially, started to um, pull in guys that could either draw like the image dudes or ape the image styles. Uh, they even asked, you know, the old timers, the stalwarts, like Herb Trimpey, you think you can draw like that, that, that Liefeld kid for this, this, uh, Fantastic Four Unlimited? And it looked like poop. But, um, <laughs> True. In, 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 image had a huge impact. I think they are the driving force of the nineties. And the, the single issue that typifies the era for me is spawn number one. Number one was an explosion. That awesome dude that's been drawn for Spider-Man, all those issues that everybody loves. Hey, he's going off on his own with his own characters, doing his own thing. And here it is. And these chains are badass. And and these toys are amazing for the time. And it was just, it was a sea change in comics. It commanded attention. And that's that's the book that really got me. In the '90s was nine, uh, Spawn number one. I,
0: I think. Well, first of all, you could knock me over with a whisper with that revelation, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> now that um, this whole topic was just so you could talk about Spawn for a little bit, because that was there, that's a given.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I am un, unashamed. Yes, I know. I love that character. I, I love the art. I love the book. The, the The writing is a little goofy at times. I don't care. He was smart enough to bring guys who could do it right in, and they gave him enough mojo to keep doing it. It's one of my all-time favorite titles. It's,
0: it's definitely, it's again, and it's, you know, I mean, it's the the HBO cartoon Renee would watch when it was on, and and it, it scare the hell out of her. And it was, it's definitely, again, when I think about eras of comics, that that cover to number one is is up there and and, and imprinted um, on my brain, but it's. Uh, I could say, you know, oh, what, what, what was it, what was the biggest deal about the 90s? And I could say image, but I can't say it was spawn number one, or it was savage dragon after the miniseries number one, or I, I cannot
1: pinpoint. I'm gonna kill you, to go with Pit.
0: No, I'm not, I'm not going with Pit either. I'm <laughs> not going with Wetworks. works. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, mine isn't even an image book, but I, and that's because I oh. can't, if, if, if you say, you know, what's the issue, I can't say it's phone Number One. It's Young Blood. It's it's because I also have to, and this is where um this is one of those things where you know well, like I said to Jason today, you know, bonus points if I read it, and and I did read all the image number ones that they were coming out, and 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 the other issues as they eventually finally were published and and came out, but it's not a um, image was huge in the 90s and there's absolutely no you cannot deny that you cannot say that you know it's just it the
1: they had their own show were figures people
0: moved on other publishers tried to catch up they tried to do things and that's why um when i think of the 90s you know i have i have things like you know daredevil i have sin city because of dark horse presents and then eventually um the collections there's there's hellboy um I do have Spawn. Other things from the nineties I have are Deathmate. I have Solar and Harbinger. Um, there's and and I even have you know I have Bone on my list, but I read the all-in-one volume, so I don't have one issue to talk about. But the one issue when I think of the nineties and how everybody was trying to top what the other guy was doing.
1: I think I know what you're doing.
0: You may. And when 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 you look back with Image. And they were trying to move forward and do their own thing. One company was like, we're going to, <laughs> I mean, they, this was whether it was, you know, the Hail Mary desperation move, whatever you want to call it. And, and yeah, we knew it wasn't going to stick and it was in the newspapers and it was on the cover of magazines. Ah, I knew it. Superman 75.
1: Yep. I knew it because it is,
0: it's, it's, it was <laughs> you went, you went from, I mean, you, they killed in air quotes the granddaddy of them all the first superhero and and went up against uh an unstoppable foe, an immovable object and was dead and 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 dan jurgens did a bang up job taking mm-hmm. care of that issue and and uh and it was all you know it it was all leading to that i mean this this fight and and the destruction went on for issues and across other books and it um it, it caused one of my nearest and dearest to, to, to go fucking batshit crazy. And it, it was, um, but it, it, it was a, it, that in the nineties was, how can we top that? How, how can we, all right, we, now we're going to break Batman's back. Now we're going to say, mm-hmm. Hey, the Spider-Man. that clone never died. Everybody was trying to outdo the other dude. And sometimes in the same damn company. And, and, you know, you can read the interviews and, and, and the bad offices had no idea that Carlin and, and and company and the, and, and the editors of the Superman books, they were going to kill Superman. And, and, oh, we just ended up competing with each other. And, and it's just, but everybody was trying to just go and top themselves. And, and you cannot get, bigger than, than killing off
1: Superman. I was gonna, that was my number two. Cool.
0: Yeah, I, that definitely, I think,
2: was one of the ones that, that should definitely have been mentioned, if not named. So, so good work on that, Dan. Yeah. I kind of figured you that might be your pick. You, if this was, okay, so for, on this, this 90 so far, I figured you both for the pick. I, 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 I got both <laughs> of those right. Yeah. For me, Spawn number one was certainly on the list, as was Youngblood number one, for, for similar reasons to why Vince picked Spawn number one, just the image factor but when i think of the the not not the 80s rather the 90s when i think of the 90s i think of excess huge insanely unsustainable commercial numbers and and the pursuit of those numbers through gimmicks i think of unbelievable wealth and fame i also think of 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 it being a time when uh comics were largely driven by the art um oftentimes at the expense of the story yes yep so we're all kind of circumnavigating the same the same ideas here and for me just edging out spawn number 1 and young blood number 1 is x-men number 1 by jim lee.
1: Uh, yeah. you can't go wrong with you that. you know no. and
0: and it's for the same reasons. um and you got was, it right. I mean I I didn't I didn't mention gimmicks but that absolutely plays into the 90s.
2: Yeah, I mean Jim Jim Lee like like for me like superman 75 I think is 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 on the list because it's in retrospect the the, the consider the peak of the bubble it's it's the it was the ultimate yeah. speculator comic and it, it largely was considered the the comic that literally broke the camel's back of a lot of of businesses but but for me x-men number 1 was the 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 beginning of that in, in the sense that it 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 it's what sparked a lot of 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 the of the hyper unsustainable growth uh you know you had jim lee getting his own book uh an artist being put in control uh putting out uh a, a a number one issue of a, of a series and characters that, that were at the top of the industry at the time. He was certainly at the time the most famous sought after, if not one of the most famous sought after artists, uh, was being given keys to the kingdom. It ended up selling eight million copies, uh, and in no small part due to a gimmick, right? Which was that, that you got to buy four different, yeah. four different covers and the four covers came put together, made one complete image. And so then they smartly released a fifth cover, which was a gatefold of, of the entirety. And Probably I, I'm helpful. proud to say I bought all of them.
0: Uh huh.
2: I bought every one. Yeah. And I'm sure most of us did. And so I just look back on that and it, it felt significant. It, uh, it felt new and, and, and like much of the nineties, it, it doesn't hold up that well. It's, it's, I don't think those comics are great comics and when I reread Ooh. them, but they looked great and, and there were certainly no comics coming out that excited me more in the nineties than, than by those guys. And which is why so many of us followed them to image. So yeah, so X-Men number one by Jim Lee is, uh, is, is my choice.
0: That's funny, and that's, and, and it's, it's somewhat appropriate that you say by Jim Lee, because it, it was, it, again, with the end of the era aspect of it, it was pretty much Claremont Swan song. The third issue was his last X-Men issue for a Mm -hmm. long time, and, and that was because, as you were saying, the art was the driving factor, and, and, and Bob Harris didn't, you know, whatever, whatever Jim wanted to do, that's what they got to do and and story be damned and whatever Claremont wanted to do with his babies because he was he nurtured them and 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 gave them life for mm-hmm. decade and change, almost twenty years and, and I think he's uh, still mad about it too. I yeah, if you watch the Claremont over it. documentary, yeah. yeah. But he uh but yes, no, it it's um I could have flipped the coin, and you could have either said X Men number one, or you could have said X Force with all five trading cards. With what would have been your and, pick?
2: And that's that, that. See again, if if we were saying my favorite, right. that would be my pick because, yeah. you know, and again, it's why Rob is a is a huge favorite of mine, and why I was so thrilled to have him on the show. I mean, for me, uh, I can remember reading Comics Buyer's Guide and 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 Wizard, and 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 seeing interviews with Rob, and the character sketches, and. Him creating all these brand new characters, and and they just seemed so cool at the time. They just seemed so significant, right? I mean, it just felt amazingly important, even though um, one could debate it, looking back twenty years later how important many of them were. But 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 it just it felt huge to me, and I I, I got huge thrills out of that book in particular. Um, I know in several complete runs of it, but, but, but I, I can't give it quite the nod that I give X-Men the more sure. just because, yeah. um So, so in terms of, of, of our audience, I, I think I have to give Brett Israel the, the, the most hilarious, uh, choice, which is, uh, Doomforce special. <laughs> so, wow. so, okay. Uh, uh, our boy, uh, our boy Hassan. Says tie between spawn number one and superman number 75. So he split the the vote on your, your guys. Um, Mr. Keith Schaefer saw it my way. He went with X-Men number one. Mr. Dave Jordan went the other way, uh, that David said he could have flipped a coin, which is X-Force number one. Uh, Ed Soto's got an interesting one. He went with JLA number three because it had the super mullet and the, the super mullet and the first glimpse of the unstoppable uber strategist Batman. Uh, so he gave us an explanation there. Uh, Whirlwind Kevin opted for Youngblood number one, um, which I think is oh, significant what's... because it's the first I- image comic. Uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the one that got it all the ball rolling. Uh, Mr. Nilcam Neil opts for Transmet number one.
1: So, oh, interesting. Which is yeah. an
2: interesting choice, right? Because I think we haven't given much, much credit to the, the Vertigo impact on comics, and uh, I guess that's that's his homage to that. Um, I'm
0: surprised nobody said Lee.
2: Yeah, I'm seeing if anyone did actually here. Let's see. Um, Michael Whitehead says Jim Lee's X-Men. <sighs> Mr. Joey Alessio, tie between X-Force number one and Spawn number two. Mr. Laming uh, chose McFarlane's Spider-Man number one. Torment. And- What's that?
0: Mark Mark, Mark Mark. um <laughs> Mr. Any Goodwill
2: just <laughs> even
1: hates that series
2: he does Mr. <laughs> St- Mr. Steven Chambers opted for Web of Spider-Man number 100 because he said it was foil bossed cover
0: and yes. Spider-Man armor Spider armor So that uh that that JLA number 3 that's the uh Morrison Porter stuff I believe where he's talking about the Spider-Man, uh Batman being the uh the that's why I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was Justice League America, but no JLA would be the '90s. So yeah, sure, that's that's good stuff. Right.
2: Our boy Mister Anti Drummer uh, throws another vote for X Force number one. John Garrett says the first glow in the dark Ghost Rider cover. Oh, uh, oh that was that cool. Number, uh, which is which is a cool choice. 10. Mr. Comic Opinion says tie for him between Claremont Lee, X-Men number one, and McFarlane Spidey. For better or for worse. Stop it. That's, that's, that's really what he says. I'm not, I'm not, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Let's see, we've got Mr. Dennis Menard says X-Men number one.
1: That looks like it. You were talking about, uh, Claremont being bounced off, uh, the book he made. David and I were talking about something like similar to this early in the week when I was going through my books mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, damn. Sal Basima did a lot of spectacular spikes. He did, man. Like uh, an extremely long run. And then there's a point where Luke Ross gets thrown on it and the art style just goes right into the toilet. And I can imagine Sal, like that was his book. How do you go into, well, I, wherever Sal worked or, or contact Sal and say, yeah, um, you're not going to do that anymore. Like how do you do that as an editor? Sure. How do you remove the guy that typified the book for more than a decade?
2: You know what's interesting? Spectacular Spider-Man number one is literally one of the least expensive number one issues you can buy
1: from Marvel. And it's silly because it's a great issue.
2: not disputing that. I'm just saying it's it's, it's interesting how it's viewed. That and Web of are are both – they hold very low places in history judging from the economic. uh, Oh,
1: see, I I would agree with Web on that subject but i don't think spectacular that was a i mean spider-man's getting another book
0: wait the 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 back you back the, the, the old 70s spectacular yeah, spider-man
1: yeah oh, okay, yeah 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 i thought that was a massive deal back in the I day did but
0: and maybe and, and even even in the uh because that was spectacular spider-man was where you got to read about you know peter going to college and 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 taking care of that part of his of his life and and amazing was the, the the flagship the superhero the 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 spidey going up against everybody but yeah i i love spectacular i I, Me too. I love the hell i think my favorite after amazing was probably marvel team up and then um which of course then gave way to to web of spider man but but there were some the, the issues where um Spidey goes blind, and, and Daredevil has to kind of train him to, mm-hmm. to 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 lean on his his other senses. And actually, they ended up um, publishing that later as a uh, as one of the special editions, where uh, like they did with the Green Lantern Green Arrow stuff, and and uh, put those two issues in a, in a nice glossy
1: package. But it was um yeah,
0: spectacular it was fun stuff.
1: Yeah, love it, great series. All right, we're gonna move on to the two thousands, which the was aughts, by baby. by far the hardest for me to pick. And me. I struggled for days on this and reluctantly uh I mean I was going through everything, like what what impacted me in the in the aughts? what, what is the one book? And I gotta say, uh every category from the nineteen nineties to the last one is image for me. Wow, okay. Yep. Uh, I don't even have a runner-up in the, in the 2000s because I basically can't think of another book that, that smacked, uh, as hard as this book. Not initially, but it was a bit of a sleeper initially. You but, fucking picked uh, my pick. No, to, to, to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, this book says it all. It's the beginnings of a company that will, would, once was the driving force in comics. They had a little bit of a lull. But, uh, going back to the experimentation for which they were, uh, originally known, I, I went with Walking Dead number Mother one.
2: Motherfuck!
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: see? God damn you, I did uh, as well. It,
1: isn't that the best book for the 2000s? I mean, that yeah, says I, it all? I couldn't,
2: I, I, like you, I couldn't think of another one. Like I, that was the, it was, it came to my mind immediately. It's the first one I thought of at when we, when you
0: gave us this task and, and I, I didn't waver from it. I, I did not because it st- stuns me that The Walking Dead has been going on for a decade. And I did not think it started so early in the aughts. So it was not never on my list for 2000 to 2009.
1: Hmm. What did you pick?
0: I picked because I, I was away in comics towards the end of the 90s and the beginning of, of the aughts. I kind of came back after... um after the first, um, actually, I remember seeing the um, the X Men movie and then going to Brooklyn, visiting my aunt, and going into uh, going into a comic shop, and I there were uh, I was surprised to see Claremont back on X Men and Leneil you drawing it, penciling it, and uh, and you know and in the corner where where the corner box used to be, there was uh, you know um, the the, the letting you know that just like the hit movie and and uh and they, so i slowly came back in um not too early definitely before the mid 2000s and and i caught up in and read planetary and and uh things like that and identity crisis was was huge to me but um it was I'm looking at it as as Marvel trying to bounce back and uh after the bankruptcy and 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 being dealt with the blows of the 90s from from Image and, and DC and uh trying to reinvent things and and coming out with The Ultimate Universe and for me when I think of that line it's it's uh which shows you that I am not putting Personal preference in on this, and and looking at it from how important things were, or I, as I perceive them, and, and I'm going with the Ultimates, and probably number five, which was Hulk versus everyone, and uh, and it and it, it it basically laid the groundwork for Marvel to do their movies, and and um, because they are taking from the Ultimate Universe more than they are from the Six One Six, and uh, that was the Ultimates was the Ultimate line. Was um, was different from Marvel at 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 that time, and um, and I really wasn't paying any attention to what Image was doing. Like I said, I had no idea that The Walking Dead started when it did. Because uh, actually, I have it for for my tens, for for, for my two thousand tens, and and again, no particular issue because I'm not reading The Walking Dead. It's not what I picked for two thousand tens, but I um I, I definitely. I would be behind you guys 100%. I I got your back if if anybody was going to argue against The Walking Dead being that important, uh, in the odds. So I, I say the ultimates, but I, I will go with the, the group think and, and say The Walking Dead in that regard. Wow. Look at that.
2: A sweep.
1: What's the Twitter say?
2: I can't believe we all had a clean sweep. That's crazy.
1: It is pretty (laughs) nuts. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you the, the, the importance of that book the the magnitude of it and it i think it it actually instigated something at image that um i mean there were a number there were a couple books before it that were of the same you know let's try something different right. that, that experimentive uh, angle, but I think Walking Dead is the one book where it, it the it caught fire at image within yeah, image. Yeah. Well, that's and-
2: the thing. I think that it it, 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 that's exactly it for me. Why it gets it is that, uh, in and of itself, it was a phenomenon, but, but it, again, it, it led to admittedly a paradigm that fits better into the, the next era, the tens, but that paradigm that's existed from, the last few years is born entirely out of the success of the walking dead, which empowered Kirkman to become a partner in image, which empowered him to make his now famous manifesto. Right. And, and five, six years later is, is proven to be completely prescient. So it, yeah. when
0: when I came home, I'm like, okay, so when did the, walk? and I, I'm going to look it up. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I, I finally figured out what I want for 2010. And I'm like, I'll do the walking dead. And I look it up. And it's like the first issue the October, the 2003, I'm like, bullshit. And then I look and I also see that I didn't, I mean, I know it's, it's 2014, the new season starts within another few weeks, um in October before Halloween. But the fucking show started uh, like Halloween weekend, 2009. And it, and, and the thing that anything before 2010 at that point, at this point just seems so long ago to me. And, and, and yeah. I'm, I'm still just, I, I'm still, I still carry in my head around how long the walking dead has just been a thing.
1: So yeah. And you know, you got also have to give it up for Eric Larson, uh, under his tenure as the driving force of image, he tried a lot of different stuff, uh, which, which predated, you know, the the walking dead era. But, uh, I, I, I think Eric gets, um, overlooked a lot just to the, the number of risks he took, uh, Probably, while he was yeah. at the controls. Yeah. He totally flipped the image script. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, the focus was not on mainly the art anymore. Well, I, I'm sure you guys. I think it was a desperation move, I think, because there was a time when image didn't move at all.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So let's see. We've got in the aughts. We have Mr. Nilcam saying X Factor volume three. Uh, the uh, modern, number one, the modern take on classic superheroes in a non-superhero setting. Ultimate Spider-Man from Mr. Kevin whirlwind Kevin.
1: Oh, how yeah, I didn't even think of that one. That's a good one. Uh, it is a very good one.
2: We've got Ultimate Spider-Man from Mr. Dave Jordan, number 1. Ooh. We've got Punisher number 1 by by Garth Ennis by Mr. Keith Schaefer. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. And welcome
0: back Frank is good. Spacker Dave. What is it? I'm Spacker Dave. Spacker oh, Dave.
2: Gladys. We've got the Amazing Spider-Man 911 issue, the Silent issue from Mister oh, Dennis Menard.
0: Thirty-six.
2: Mm. Yes. See, and that's a great, great issue. I mean, that that's up there for best single issues of that era. I don't know that it typified it though. In fact, I would again, I would say that kind of stood out as something that was very different, which is what made it special. But not as many odds nominations. I guess people uh, probably are too close to it to really feel like they can put a stamp on the area. Mr. Laming says Preacher number one. Oh, very nice choice. I can get with that. Definitely one of my favorite series of the, of the era. Yep, that's, we're good. That's about it.
1: Okay. And we're up to date with the 2010s. This one was immediate. I bet you we Um, picked the same one again, you fuck. (laughs) I firmly believe that we are in another Bronze Age. Damn it, you picked what I picked the the experimentation going on at image right now Shit. is a, akin to that of the bronze age with the social commentary and the 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 uh, experimentation in terms of both art and story and why not there's a why not attitude at image now that i think is doing comics a very good service um i went with saga number 1 damn you Come on, <laughs> dude!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Completely that unplanned. Is, that,
1: that is that. that that's yeah. a good one
0: to pick. Damn.
1: Sa- saga number one is like Surter slamming the anvil. Damn. That book ha- has just resonated, and again, it it's, it it lit the way for a lot a lot of series. That image.
2: Shit.
1: I'm sorry, but I mean, hey, it's it's. I think it's painfully obvious.
2: I agree, that, and here's the thing: I think it bridges the gap, right? It, it it's. Brian K. Vaughan was already an established independent creator who could sell his own books. But in a way, it feels like the, the, the greatest example of the new post-Kirkman Manifesto image era mm-hmm. where these mainstream creators are able to not only put out great books but put out books that are selling huge numbers sustainably in spite of them having next to nothing to do with the conventional superhero trope. Right. Um, and the other reason that I think it's, it's, it's a very valid choice is, um, not only does it fit into that, that image creator owned paradigm, which I think is just so evocative of the time, but, but Miss Staples, much to my and many other art collector chagrins, works digitally.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, and, and again, I mean, I don't know if this is the, f- I, well, actually, I think this is the first time in terms of eras that we've had Many of the best books on the stands being done digitally. Mm-hmm. And so it just, yeah, it seemed like an obvious choice to me too.
1: yeah, I mean there there are a lot of great companies doing a lot of really important books, Fanographics, um, uh, drawn in quarterly. I mean, but nobody seems to have cracked that 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 zeitgeist like image. Th- their books are finding an audience, mm-hmm. and they're they're very, very different. How, if if there was a formula, they could have sold it. Yeah, the the, the only one I, I, I,
2: I toyed with going with again, and it and it failed the typify test. But but I thought it, I think it may not fail the typify test when we look back on the tens in let's say two thousand and twenty, when we're looking back on the whole decade, which is private eye, because private eye is delivered digitally, uh, it's delivered on its own schedule you pay what you want it 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 breaks away from the conventional direct market distribution paradigm um it's formatted for the the digital world um it's it it's the first reasonably successful book that's completely digital that they swear will never be printed in paper so but but again that's atypical right now it's only it will only be typical if it if if it's if, if we go that way in a big way over the next five years. So that's why I had to sw- swap back to Saga. David, what did you go with?
0: I, I did not go with Saga. Um, well, you're wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's because the Saga is still, it, it's very hard for me to, what's the best book of, this decade when we're still in this decade and and I can't and Saga's still going on and if Saga had ended a couple issues back I probably would be with you guys 100%. Um but the story's still going on and I'm not sure how I'm really feeling about the story at this point. There there <gasps> are there are other characters that I'd rather
1: Controversy. See.
0: Yeah. Um and are are you up to date? No. Okay. Um We'll get into it when you are. And, and, uh, and it is, it, it's a beautiful book. It's well written. I, I am into it. I, I, uh, I need to read it. So it's not like, oh, I'm done with this and, and I want to move on, but it's still going on. I can't, and I'm not, I know we're not supposed to judge something, you know, based on its whole because you can't for a lot of these things. But, um, as of right now, when I think about what was, what was big and it, it, This kind of ties into a few things that I touched on with, with, with a few different, um, eras here, but I am, I'm going with, um, I'm going with Amazing Spider-Man 700 because, uh, Dan Slott wrote it. He wrote the hundred issues before it and then some. This was the, the culmination of a storyline that he, that we didn't see coming, that, that, that he was toying around with. It, it's an era where, we're currently in an era where you don't see too many creators on something for so long. Um, which they, so shouldn't typify the era, but, uh, it was the final issue featuring a character who changed with this issue. Uh, it, um, it's one of those, it, I, I think about just what was a big deal to me? What I can think about from from this, as of right now, half decade almost, and uh and it is it's it's that was kind of a, I mean it, it it's similar to what they were doing with the '90s and trying to what can we do that will get people off guard and and uh, throw them for a loop and and this was you know, they took physically they didn't change. Their flagship character, but they definitely reworked him and and um, and modified it and and went in a different direction with the following um, following month the following issue with the new series and it's uh it it was just it was a single voice and uh and and doing something to a character that i didn 't expect anything. Anyone to do that with or to, um, and it, it's still, again, as much as I, as much as I love Saga and, and I'm with you guys, I, uh, I can't look at Saga and go that I, I think I would probably, with your other choice, with, with, with Private Ibu, I would probably put that over Saga, but I, um as of right now, ending, if everything were to end today, uh, I, I, I kinda have to go with Spidey as a whole with the run that Slot was doing, but 700 was, was a big deal. I respect it. The audience
2: picked Saga overwhelmingly. I'd say at least 30
0: cool.
2: nominations. Uh, Mr. Laming picked a little book called King's Watch.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> which, which for those that, that don't know, the inside joke, he drew that. So he's, he's making a little, little uh, nomination for himself there.
1: He drew that very well. We might add. It's
2: true. Um, I, I gave uh, our buddy Mr. Joey Alessio short shrift with the aughts. He he had a tie for All Star Superman number one and New X Men number one fourteen. Again, good. if you know Joey, not a surprise. He is a uh, he is a Morrison acolyte if there ever was one. Just lots and lots of of of, of sagas. Uh, Mr. Farrell uh, says um, it's an interesting nominations. Walking Dead number one hundred. Because it combines the representation of mainstream, the success of, of, of indies in the mainstream, cross-media appeal, and the popularity of variant covers. So that's a very thoughtful response.
1: That's the issue they lost me. Right. Well, he's again, yeah. he's
2: picking one that typifies it, which I can definitely see his point there. Uh, more sagas, more sagas. Let me see here. Oh, a Private Eye nomination for Mr. Neil Cam. Excellent. Comics perfection designed for screens, socially relevant and representative of the digital revolution. So,
1: there you go. I hope that digital revolution goes away. Stop it.
0: You're pretty.
2: I like paper. You acquire, quote-unquote, 98% of your comics digitally.
1: Yeah, but I don't keep them. (laughs) That makes it no
0: different. (laughs) There you go.
1: Oh, so that was fun. Who knew that it would take up the whole episode?
0: Uh, Raise his hand.
1: You did? (laughs) I assume. I did not know. Uh, so hey, that leaves less work for me to do next week. Um, if you want any of the things uh, about which we talked this episode, chances are really good. You can probably find them at instocktrades.com, the sister company to our sponsor, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. All you have to remember for this month is the Valiant Bundle, nine books, $18.45. Django Zorro, number one, $1.99. Dark Horse, uh, and the Ghost Fleet, number one, is also $1.99. They don't care about late orders. They don't care about order additions. They'll, they'll fill both happily. And, uh, you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your house without even leaving the couch. DCBService.com. I'm gonna throw, uh, a big bone DC's way. Cause they have surprised me. I actually enjoyed something connected to uh, Future's End. And it's a two-part something, both of which was written by Jeff Lemire. And they were drawn by – I don't have a lot of information on this guy other than I really like his art. Uh, His name is Jed Doherty. It's decidedly old school. There's a little bit of – yeah, there's a little bit of Scott Collins in it, which is never, never a bad thing in my opinion. There, there's also a tiny bit of Dan Jurgens in it, just a little. Okay. It's New 52, Futures End, Justice League United, which was the first part, and Justice League proper, which was the uh, the other part. And in a nutshell, the League has established a prison on Mars. And John Jones, of course, is in charge of it. And he's keeping a lockdown on the deadliest beings in the universe. Uh, uh, entities that are way too powerful to sequester on Earth. So they, they throw them up on Mars. And one of those guys, a war criminal responsible for the killing of millions, so they say, uh, is Captain Adam. They got my attention. Uh, Jeff, I thought, wrote a great story. He brought uh, Dawnstar and Wildfire of the Legion into it. Next issue of Justice League United, it says Justice League United versus the Legion of Superheroes. Okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. You don't have to twist my arm. I thought these two issues were great. That You really needed to know nothing about uh, anything going on in either New 52 or Future's End. They said He set it up, gave you everything you needed to know. We already know these characters. Um, there's one or two new ones who I, I like. And, you know, they fleshed them out really well. I thought that was fun. And, and I got nice little 3D covers in the, in the, in the process. So yeah, check it out. Jeff Lemire, who, I mean, we already knew, but I'm, I'm glad he's, um, really going places with this superhero stuff. That's good. That is good. He's one of the best man. I like him. I like him. And it was, it was pretty cool. I'm not a big fan of the Martian Manhunter, but he was used he very is- effective. Me neither. He? Yeah, he's kind of lame. Uh, I, I'm, he's, he's a, I liked it better when he was a detective. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, oh geez, I'm afraid of fire. Yeah, that that kind of ran thin after a while. And um uh, was it Joe Kelly? I think used him really well in the the Morrison-instigated JLA series. Oh. Okay. But, yeah, other than that, eh, he's okay. Not a fan of blood But way. I, 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 I and, and no and and (laughs) uh but yeah this was a lot of fun old school fun the stories moved at a really fast clip um just great great uh mainstream superhero comics what more do you want well you probably do but i mean if you're in the mood for great mainstream superhero comics you can't go wrong with these two
0: no no doubt in your travels uh little book three issues in so far um Written by Justin Jordan, who writes a lot. Uh, penciled by Kyle Stram and colors by Felipe Sobriero. Uh, letters by Crank because it's an image book and he likes to letter. And it is, uh, it is spread from image. Uh, it is a, (laughs) um, it's freaky as hell.
1: It's crazy. It is, it is nuts. If you,
0: if you like, John Carpenter's the Thing, you'll like this. If you like Lone Wolf and Cub, you'll like this. If you like um, post apocalyptic um, vicious creatures who uh infect others, uh you will you'll probably get a kick out of this. Um, our uh our main character, he uh he goes by the name no, and N-O, oh, uh, because he's, hell no. he tends to say that a lot. <laughs> he's a man of very few words. Um, there's a, uh, there's a page where, um, Ahua is getting it on with some John in a bathtub and he's on her uh-huh. breast and his fingers go into her breasts and then basically, uh, she ends up, um, I
1: love that. Killing it. It's
0: freaky as hell. Yeah. Um, if, uh, there's, um, it's, it's a crazy book, man. And it's, there are, um, there may be some parallels to, um, uh, Jason and Vince's favorite book of, or the one that typifies the 2010s, uh, saga. There's a, um, Jordan realizes that there are, um, there are parallels because here is, here's a, here's a story that's being pretty much narrated by Molly, a baby that, um, that No is caring for and, and looking after. Um, but it's, it, they definitely have two distinct, different voices, both the narrators, the babies and, and the way the, uh, the story moves, uh, they, they, they could not be more different. Um, so. You
1: I hope it's not too far fetched to uh hope for a oversized hardcover collection for this because I think strom is a monster I and own, yeah. and yeah, yeah and the one. uh the, the art definitely well the story too the whole book definitely deserves a nice showcase treatment big hardcover yeah let's, something you can kill somebody with I want nice. it. um it's uh it's
0: you know it, it it's one of those things where it it, it it's weird to say. It's almost like a palate cleanser for me. I I, I read everything else I read, and this is just <laughs> unlike. Um, yeah, right there, changing cassette tapes there. You, yeah, the I just pushing the A push, push track. Yeah. No,
1: the H track, dude. I, I'm I'm joking. Like, uh joking.
0: Uh, <laughs> All right, watch this.
2: Is my my fucking microphone stopped working. I had to plug it. Oh, that was gorilla. Vince, bro. <laughs> no, it was no. me. It was me.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. So but it's just uh, <laughs> one of um. It's 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 crazy, it's different, it doesn't um and, and the third issue has a pretty funky pinup by uh Mr. uh Don Cardenas. and No and, way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does?
1: Yeah, yes.
0: Sweet. Uh, but it's um no Nancy. I see. It was uh it's it's a really <laughs> interesting book, man, and and it's a uh I, I said, I, I uh I, I want people to give it a shot. It's um, it's definitely right in, it, it it's in that image mold in in the same way that Manhattan Projects or East of West or, um, Saga, uh, fit in and it's still its own thing. And, and, uh, I want to see it continue and, and go on cause I want to know where the hell they're going with this. And it it's one of those, it, it's, it's also something where you don't, I don't want to say you don't get attached to characters, but, um there really are no rules here you don't know what the next page is is going to bring so that alone is um is different from a lot of the books i read and and different from from a lot of the stories that that are being told these days period sick it is it is nice
2: so uh in your travels i want to i want to give back to the people huh
1: ah look at you
2: you know we we sometimes take for granted Because we do read a lot of comics. For real? That many of our listeners, either because of time constraints or perhaps financial constraints, can't just go out and buy the shit ton of stuff that we buy and read. And this, as, as we release this episode, there are not one, but two phenomenal opportunities to get boatloads of awesome comics for super cheap without having to do anything illegal to steal them. Uh the first one which we talked about in the intro, so depending on what music you chose for the opening, I don't know if I could hear that. Uh is the the current Humble Bundle. We have mentioned the Humble Bundle before. For those that don't know, it's the website is Humblebundle.com. And yep. it started off as and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it started off and was for a long while, mainly a uh PC game. Uh, deal, right? You, you got, yes. and the way it works is it's, it's a little bit like the private eye model. You can, they offer you a number of, of, of items and you can bid as much as, uh, can you bid free or can you?
1: I don't know. No, yeah, you, it's like, okay. yeah. So,
2: but you can bid up to what? Probably even like a penny, right? If you really wanted to be cheap about it, right? It's, like,
1: well, if you wanted to be a dick. That's what okay. I mean. Yeah. My point
2: is
0: you can bid what you think it's yeah, worth. Pay what you, you want. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And pretty recently, at least in the last year, they have added, other types of bundles, including comics bundles. And there's been a few that have been terrific. I know David just said that he ordered the uh, IDW Star Trek bundle last month. But the one that was just launched is the Valiant bundle. And we make fun of Valiant sometimes with our boy Campbell and Daryl and the like because, look, the truth is these comics don't don't sell all that well. But that being said, um, if you go back into our archives, we we all read – uh a, the first few issues of each of the main main valiant titles and and I think to a man enjoyed them and I've been remiss in that I just let them pile up and 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 got they got away from me and I've been waiting for the collected editions to jump back in well the the humble bundle this month is valiant, and as of our recording time which is about eleven o'clock eastern on uh wednesday night you are eligible to receive $420 worth of Valiant Comics um, through the bundle. Pay what you want. Now, the way it works is there are different tiers, so you can pay almost nothing and get the first tier. You can pay $9.53 $9. dollars or more, and you get second tier of books, or you can do $15 or more to unlock the entirety. And yes. inclusive right now are... Uh, Unity, Volumes 1 and 2, 8 issues. Quantum and Woody, Volumes 1 and 2, 8 issues. Harbinger, Volumes 1 and 2, 10 issues. Exo Man of War Volumes 1 and 2, 8 issues. Archer and Armstrong, Volumes 1 and 2, 9 issues. And the Shadow Man PC game. That's the, oh, that's the basic that. tier. So basically, if you're willing to donate anything, you get that. If you're willing to go above the 953, you also get Rye 1 through 4, Shadow Man one through nine, Eternal Warrior one through eight, Harbinger Wars one through four, Bloodshot one through nine, and it says more comics coming soon. So they'll probably continue to unveil them. And then if you're willing to go ab- above fifteen bucks, which I was, you also get the Valiant Master Series, which as I've come to understand is reprints of the classic Valiant work. Uh, yeah. Conclusive,
1: yeah. Inclusive,
2: you get forty issues. No, I'm sorry, you get forty-seven issues, including. Shadow Man, Ninjack, Hardcore, Rye, Bloodshot, and Exo Man of War. So, for $15.01, if you're willing to go up that amount, um, amount you're getting over $400 worth of comics and, what is it, over 100, 120, 130 issues?
1: Yep. For less than the price you would pay for a single trade. It's really, paper. really yeah. insane.
2: And and, and to, honestly, these are, even though these are books that we don't necessarily talk a lot about, the ones I have read have all been terrific. And today when I was waiting for my sons to be done football practice, I read, I reread the first few issues of Archer and Armstrong and then read up through issue the second trade and it's phenomenal. Uh, Clay, yep. Clayton Henry art. It's, it's, it's just terrific stuff. So I, I can't recommend this enough. Again, it's humble bundle. And pretty much anybody with any kind of comics budget can get these these comics. Yeah, There's,
1: and I believe the proceeds go to the comic book legal. Defense. Actually, well, this
2: time around it varies. Um, what I was going to say, I don't know if it's like this every time, but but when I did it right, you they give you a slide rule and it yes. shows the default breakdown where where part of the proceeds go to Valiant, part go to CBLDF, and part go to Humble Bundle themselves, and you can slide rule the mix any way you want so you could you can bring 100% of your proceeds to charity or you can pay valiant 100% however oh. you want to
0: do it but but this time so last yeah um the the Star Trek one I just um gave to uh the CBLDF no I'm sorry the Hero Initiative this time the charities are you can split it between yes you have valiant and you have um you can tip the folks over at Humble Bundle or uh, you can also um, it's CBLDF Hero Initiative and Doctors Without Borders are also right, so, right. so, the charities. Oh. So, so, there's three different charities you can also um, adjust your um, yeah. But that's awesome to get in in order to and in, in order to get that first tier, including the Shadow Man game, there is a one dollar minimum to get the Steam key for the Shadow Man game.
1: Oh, it's on Steam too. Yes, it's on Steam. Oh, damn. See, I have a real problem with Humble Bundles. I can't pass any of them oh, up. No. Every time they announce a new one, bam, I'm, I'm there. there.
0: It's also... I, um,
1: I have about 200 games in my Steam oh, queue that's crazy.
0: that I that I haven't even played I, that's yet. That's crazy. Uh, I've never used Steam, but...
1: Steam is awesome. I, oh. it's great. Yeah.
0: I used yeah, Steam the, when um, Bejeweled was included either with a Humble Bundle or a Mac Heist Bundle, and, and that's when I first downloaded and and messed around with steam the books are also available in um cbz or pdf or um can be read on your your kindle or um nook so it's not like oh i don't think it's going to work on my um on my device no it 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 will cool
2: and and the the other the second half of my inner travels uh is another phenomenal sale it's an annual sale that we have oft partaken in and that is top shelf's massive sales going on right now Yep. Uh, Top Shelf every year is is one of my favorite publishers. Um, so much so, in fact, that I have to say, with each passing year, I get to take advantage of the sale less and less because I pretty much own the entirety of the catalog. But uh, I still think, for many of of our listeners out there who aren't as familiar with Top Shelf, um, th- this sale is always an awesome time to experience truly a truly broad and diverse set of of, of books. Um, there are over 180 titles that are marked down through Friday, September 26th. So again, about, you have another week, week plus after you hear this episode to go ahead and do that. Um, and, and the deals are just Oh, I mean, they're, they're just absolutely yeah. some, I mean, some of them are just
1: criminal almost. Uh, yes, The years have pants eight dollars for the hardcover.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, to, well, look, I mean, from hell companion is a dollar this year. It's,
1: it's, it's, awesome. Regularly, it's lie. regularly
2: $29.95, yep. okay? Um, yep. Um, Matt Kin's Pistol Whip, uh, Yellow Menace, regularly $14.95, a buck. Um, you've got, uh, let's see here, I'm just, uh, Van Helsing's Night Off, a buck, I got that last year. Um, you've got, um, Sulk, uh, one, Mr. Jeffrey Brown, uh, his, his, his anthologies, volumes one, two, and three, uh, which collectively are 23 bucks. normally, uh, a buck a piece uh Superfuckers which is a really funny comic about uh naughty naughty teen superheroes is uh instead of 20 bucks it's 4 bucks. Uh you've got The Surrogates all a buck a piece. Uh you've got uh, Double Cross which is a buck. You've in the 3 buck category which is where you really get the insane deals. You've got um, you've got League of Extraordinary Gentlemen volume volumes century volumes 1 2 3 uh each 3 bucks a piece. Dude, the underwater welder, which we gave an extensive Mm. review of when it came out by our good friend, uh Mr. Jeff Lemire, that Vince talked about earlier. 1995 normally, three bucks. Insane, dude. For for your kids, you've got Owley, three bucks a volume. Mm. Um more Jeffrey Brown, Austin Miss Incredible Change Bots, which is a take on the Transformers Mythos, three bucks a pop. Homeland Directive, three bucks. The surrogate's three bucks. Gingerbread Girl, which is uh which is uh Colleen Coover. Three bucks. Love that book. Um uh one of one of our, our, our former fourth man, Mr. Niesman's one of his favorite books, The King, three bucks. Normally the hardcover is normally thirty nine ninety five, three bucks. Uh it's just insane, Oh, that salty air, Mr. Nate Powell, three bucks. Uh you get the picture, but but I mean you can just go on on Alec, three bucks. Um it's it's just crazy. It, there are literally you can't go wrong. Um, a naughty book that I talked about a lot when it came out that I love, Um Chester 5000. <laughs> Five <laughs> bucks, dude. Five bucks for, for, for naughty erotica people. It's
1: awesome. Five bucks and a box of tissues. Exactly.
2: Uh, David's, two of David's, uh, um, uh f- favorite works of, 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 of recent times for top shelf. Uh, Heck, The Heck Hardcover, eight bucks. Yes. Any Empire, which won an Eisner last year, eight bucks. Crater. Beach,
1: beach Party, too.
2: Beach Party, yep. Trader 15, 8 bucks. Uh, it's just, just dude, it's, you cannot go wrong. Um, the Essex County hardcover, 10 bucks. One of my literally all time favorite books, Infinite Kung Fu, 10 bucks for the hardcover. Uh, you get the picture. It's, it's an absolute ridiculous deals to be had. Uh, the March hardcover, Blankets, From Hell, Lost Girls, Super Spy, We Can Fix It, all 50% or more off. So all you got to do is go to Top Shelf Comics with an X, so Top Shelf Comics, all one uh, They have front page. It's the massive $3 sale. And top of all of it, if you're someone like David who has a wife who will kill him if he buys more paper, you can get all these DRM-free digital versions for the low, low prices that we talked about. So do yourself a favor. Expand your horizons. Try some top shelf books. You know, if you spend three bucks on a book and you don't love it, what's the downside? You know, I suspect you'll end up loving it.
1: Absolutely nothing. Nope. Yep. Good job, Jason. Words. Hey everybody, we thank you for being here with us once again. If you would, if you liked it and want to join us again next week, you can find the next one of these, the very same place you found these one of these. This ones one are these. Of these. <laughs> these these. These these. And uh, as usual, why do we do this? Damn, because we love you so much. So much. Really do. Yeah, I have another topic I want to float, but I think I'll wait a little while because we just had a topic episode, but I think it would be really cool and Ron's going to love it. Nice. Yeah. So join us next week. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but it'll be fun. And we hope you're here with us. Same tonight, David. Good night, David.
2: Every day I'm hustling. I wish we
0: could have a house and speak to you now. I'm gonna get first!